Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Breakfast Ball Show, where Sean and me, Lenny, we're going to go through and kind of preview the U.S. Open, what we've got coming up uh, next week here. Currently this week, we the Palmetto Championship going on. Um, but looking forward to next week, we have the third major on the 2021 schedule. It's going to be the U.S. Open. Been uh, played at Torrey Pines. It's going to be on the south course. Right? It's a pretty long course. Um, we've seen uh, open U.S. Opens, I should say, played here before. I almost made the state call it an open again. Uh, U.S. Opens played here before back in 2008, which Tiger won. He was winning just about everything then, anyways. Um, it is a difficult course. Uh, they will set it up to be very difficult. Uh, was it Tiger and Rocco Mediate? We, we were talking about this earlier, Sean. Those were the only two guys under par during the 2008 U.S. Open, correct? Yeah, yeah. They came in at minus one. I think there were a few guys that were close to the par, um, but I think there was only yeah, there was one guy yeah even. So the rest of the field was was uh, not in the good numbers, if you will. So it, yeah, it is a difficult yeah. course. I remember correctly. I think that was Lee Westwood. Yeah, I think third. you have it right. But yeah, so it when they set it up for the U.S. Open, it is a very tough course, right? Just like every U.S. Open is. Uh, Xander's already putting videos out there of him trying to chip some balls out of the rough, and his club basically just gets caught up and disappears. So we know that it's going to be a tough course. Uh, this is the home of. Um, Farmers Insurance Open now, which we see kind of your typical PGA Tour scores that kind of 10 to 20 under pars. I don't know how much kind of emphasis I'm going to put into the Farmers Open, though when we did have the U.S. Open here previously, right, won by Tiger, Tiger's also won the Farmers Insurance Open seven times. So... Part of me kind of makes me want to consider putting some emphasis on it. But then again, it's Tiger Woods, right? Like, you see Tiger Woods has won any tournament, right? You look at anything, and he's won probably over half the tournaments. Things don't correlate as much with Tiger Woods as they do with the normal kind of PGA Tour, especially back in, you know, the early 2000s. Um, But, Sean, you have anything you kind of want to add you want to talk about? with yeah. Tory Pines at all. Yeah, um, I actually have a, a friend uh, here. I, I, I'm, I live kind of locally to the course, um, but uh, one of my friends actually just went out a week ago and played the course, and he said that the rough was like uh, covering his shoes every time that he walked into there. Um, and if you didn't hit it into the fairway, it, obviously good luck getting it. So it's going to be interesting to see how these the pros approach it. Obviously, they're going to find the fairway a lot more than you or I might. Um, well, probably me. I can't speak for you now these days. Um, but it, it is uh, it's good to hear that from from somebody too. I, obviously, you're going to hear the coverage of on on that and and us say that. But for somebody to go out a week prior and hear that it's in that condition, you know, they they've put in a lot of work to make it difficult. Uh, so it's it's going to be an interesting week. And it's funny too, you know, it is it is a coastal course out in Southern California, and obviously Pebble Beach. You see all the beaches when they show uh, all the courses around there. And you see people walking around. However, you're not really going to see a lot of people walking on these beaches, or at least the ones that are directly on the course. Um, you probably see a lot of the Hoya beaches, 
um, but the beach underneath Torrey Pines is actually called Black's Beach, and it's the nudist beach. Um, so there's there's not going to be any cameras going down there, and if you hit me. If you hit any shots down towards the beach, you might just want to leave it there because you don't want any surprises. So um, just a little fun fact for anybody who uh, who's watching it this weekend who wants to care to listen to this thing. So um, there's uh, there's there's my little tidbit of uh, of the info on Tory Pines. But afterwards, um, I'm hoping I can I myself might be able to get out there. But that's just me wishing some things. So um yeah, nothing else on the Sean, course. But Sean I'm excited to watch the killer insight. Hey, you know, sometimes you got to just spice things up, and that one's definitely yeah. spicy. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be fun to watch the golf. Yeah, it will be. Um, sometimes with the U.S. Opens, for me, they can kind of, I don't know. They're, they're not as good as, like, the PGA or the Masters, I think, because sometimes the U.S. Opens can be set up so tough that it almost seems to embarrass some guys, um, which with this course set up, how Sean talked about, you got to be in the fairway. The All the fairways, I think all but one of them have fairway bunkers, which are going to be playing around 275 to 315, you know, right in most guys' landing zones could be a nice setup for some of your long bombers that can carry it over 315. Um, all the greens are kind of gateway bunkers, if you want to call them, right? They're lined with your approaches so that there's um, bunkers on the left and the right of most greens. So it is difficult. You're going to see a lot of guys in the sand this week. Um, a lot of guys just having to punch out back into the fairway. Uh, it, it'll be it'll be definitely a difficult setup, but every every major is a very fun kind of tournament, fun to watch, fun to fun to see how kind of the best in the world make us look so bad at golf. And <laughs> but getting in getting into some of our players, we're gonna kind of go through, give an overlook of the field, break down some guys. Uh, we are going to use DraftKings pricings for all of these. Uh, getting into this, though, the first kind of set we're going to look at is the 10K and up guys. With this, we have John Rome sitting at the top, the only 11K plus guy. He's sitting at 11.2. Jordan Spieth at 10.9. Dustin Johnson, 10.7. Bryson at 10.4. And Brooks at 10.1. What do you think about this list? Who's your favorite out of these picks, Sean? Well, it's a major, um, and some people might call me cheap. So if we're going to say that this guy's cheap in any sort of way, I'm going to go with Brooks. Um, I think, I mean, it, I just think the way that he approaches majors, obviously he's always in favor. So he's kind of, I would never put anyone in the Tiger scenario like we were saying earlier, but he, you know, he does approach these things. And he, if you were to flip a coin, there's a good chance in the last couple of years that his name's going to be there when you look at it. So I think he's always somebody that comes to mind. And if you're looking at trying to save some money in the in the lineup that you're creating, it would, you know, Brooks is kind of an interesting one at 10-1. It seems like a value amongst these these giants of guys. But everyone in the field here, I mean, except for Jordan, kind of plays very similarly. You know, they hit very, very long balls, depending on how they do it. Um, they they can hit close shots to the green however they need to, and sometimes the putter comes alive, and they've won big moments. So I, I think, for me, Brooks, but you could you could make the argument for Dustin Johnson, obviously, the way that he pursued the Masters a couple of years ago and just 
destroyed the field and we were talking earlier than the minus 30 on him so there's there's ways that that these guys can destroy it but I mean if again ranking him I'd go Brooks maybe Dustin Johnson um, you can never go wrong with Spieth though I think Spieth is he's not a big hitter but he's definitely somebody that can control himself on the irons and kind of get himself out of trouble so if he doesn't hit the fairways and he gets into the rough he might have a chance to to make some magic or something out of there uh, where some of these other guys might not be able to I mean, you, like the sand save that chipped into win I think he didn't he do that a couple years ago um, yeah like, I, can't, I can't remember the turner I know what you're talking about though yeah he jumped out of the sand gave the chest bump and all that but like you know like that that's the type of magic that Spieth can bring too so I think Really, I, I, I left out of a few people because I have a feeling that you're going to highlight them yourself. But um, I think that, the, you know, they there's really not a bad pick if you're going to start somebody with this. Uh, obviously, you're, you're probably going to want to and the populations might be high, but it's a major. So any of these picks are probably a good chance of getting it. I will say I have already bet on Rom and Brooks. And... Kind of my reason for that is if this week at the Palmetto, I was a little worried if DJ and Brooks both played really bad, that Rom becomes even more of an outright favorite. And I, he was at um, plus 950, I think, when I got him. So I was like, you know what? I'll take that number. I'm betting Rom regardless where his number is. If his number goes up, I'm going to double down. If it drops, goes lower, I'll probably let it be and just take what I have on him. And then I bet Brooks, uh, I thought he was going to compete this week at the Palmetto with him and DJ kind of being the only two guys. However, where we're sitting, it looks like Brooks is going to miss the cut this week. And I was kind of a little bit worried Brooks is going to win the Palmetto and then he might jump to the favorite and that number's going to drop a lot. Exact opposite happened. Uh, are you? Do you have any concerns with kind of how his play was this week at the Palmetto? Uh, and playing him next week with him missing the cut right before the major? No. I think it's just that simple. You know, I, I, I think he's had a few injuries and, and it's just not worked out this year, but it's a major. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, that's just, I, I understand the question. And if it was another tournament, then yeah, I would say that. But I just think within the moment of what it is and how and who it is, no. I, I, I think yeah, uh, I next week you see somebody else come to golf. And, I mean, he's coming off a T2 finish at the PGA Championship, losing to Phil. I mean... Major. <laughs> yeah, major, right? But he did miss the cut at the Masters. He, th- that was when he was kind of fresh off the surgery. Yeah, he was uh, doing his wide so, gate stance with his legs. So, you know? yeah, that one I can, I can excuse because I don't know if he was ready to play. Um, no. But... The thing is, within this group, one of the things I'm looking at, only one of these five guys has finished top 10 in both majors this year, and that's John Rahm. Right? He had T5 at the Masters, T8 at the PGA. Right? I mean, you have Brooks with the second at the PGA. Jordan finished third at the Masters. But neither of them had great finishes in the other two major tournaments. He's the only one who's put together two great finishes. And... I mean, like we all know, I'm a big John Rahm fan. The COVID, um, I guess, withdrawal and kind of him 
being unsure, I guess, all of us as betters at what kind of condition he's going to be in, how good his game is, how ready he's going to be, doesn't worry me too much because we saw at the Masters, he showed up late to the Masters, had just had uh, his kid and went on, kind of backdoored himself into the top five finish, but still top five finish with hardly any play practice uh, going into it. So I'm not too worried about that. Jordan, I think, will be a good play. Just he's in good form, playing great golf. DJ is someone I'm going to avoid. I'm, I think a lot of people are going to – I'm assuming he finishes well because he's sitting T2 this week at the Palmetto as we speak. But I think a lot of people are going to see him have a great finish this week and want to jump in on DJ and be buying into it. I'm probably going to lay off a little bit. Plus, just his play this year hasn't been great. He's had something kind of just go wrong with this game every week. I, I just don't trust him as much as I do Rom and Spieth. Um, and then we kind of get to Bryson. Bryson, it's kind of like uh, it's, the course isn't set up for him, but just the power that he has that he can get through to the ball in this thick rough gives him more of an advantage than a lot of other guys. Uh, where even though his ball is buried, he just has so much swing speed that he can get it up and out easier. If his approach game is on, he's hitting the ball, kind of striking it well. There's no reason he shouldn't compete here. Um, I'll probably kind of look into him a little bit more as the week goes on. I wouldn't be surprised if I have him in a lineup or two. And then Brooks... Uh, I kind of have to think about him and reconsider some things after this week. Um, but like you said, it's a major, and it's Brooks Kepska. Brooks Kepka, he's he's going to be just in a dogfight against Bryson this week. I think no matter where Bryson finishes, it doesn't matter as long as Brooks finishes a stroke ahead of him at least, and Brooks would probably be happy. Um, but yeah. We'll move on to our 9K guys. Some big names here in the 9K range this week with Rory at 9.9, JT 9.7, Morikawa 9.5, and then we've got Xander 9.3, Hovland 9.2, Cantlay 9.1, and Reed at 9,000. So looking at these guys, Sean, who do you think is going to be kind of your maybe main couple plays out of here? You know, I hate to do this to you because you just did a great intro into this, but I did have a thought as we were talking about the Brooks and Bryson thing. I wonder, one of two things, how many people are going to get kicked out because you hear Brooks eat a Bryson, uh, if that plays a role. Uh, and two, uh, if Brooks or if, yeah, if Brooks is going to do uh, another sponsorship with Michelob Ultra and send out more cases of beer to promote that. Um, but I think it's kind of, it is an interesting take on golf and it's kind of like the, the, like the boxing world of what they're doing of trying to draw just some sort of attention to it. And uh, it seems to be working. So whatever. Um, and it's fun for us so you can laugh about it, but um, moving into what you just talked about and to answer your, your, your question that you had, um, obviously looking at the list, there's some people there. Patrick Reed won the farmers open earlier this year. I, I um, I'm just saying that cause he, he won it. I don't like starting with him just personally. <laughs> um, but having him won it, winning that tournament earlier this year, I mean, it, it is going to be a different course, even though it's being played on the same course. I just think that, that ha you know, he's got to have some sort of swagger. And I feel like when he feels good about himself, he 
plays pretty good. So there's that's a a decent value amongst the amongst the people that are here. Again, coming in at nine thousand, he's he's at the lowest end, but I don't think that his golf necessarily would reflect that. Just being at again what I just mentioned. So I think he he's just somebody that stands out to me in the in the area. Obviously, uh, I'm a big Rory fan. I don't have to say why anymore because I've done it every podcast. I feel like Rory and John Rom find call like whatever they fall in the same same scenario for the two of us. So we can move on next time we say them. You just hear the buzzer go off. Um, so Rory, I mean, Rory at nine nine. I mean, that might be uh, might be a little expensive for some of the ways that he's been playing. Um, I think you know he he definitely can play better. We know that he can play better, but. It just depends on which one shows up and what he wants to do with it. Um, Justin Thomas is a, is an interesting name in this grouping. It's inter- it's it's kind of. I think he's one of the names. Maybe uh, maybe a Victor Hovland as well. Uh, not not due to recent play, but just as a season's play. Those two kind of like may make the question of why aren't they higher uh, in my head, uh, just because of kind of like what they've been doing. But I know recently. The two of them have kind of not done so well as as the earlier times of the year. So um, I would say those guys are the the ones that stick out in terms of that. I mean, Victor Hovland at nine two with the finishes and the streak that he had. If he gets hot, he can get hot. So it might be interesting to see where he falls in line. Um, but I mean, I don't, I think there's a lot of good fillers in here for any lineup if you need to, to put a spot in there. So I'll just say that and leave it to you. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you on a lot of these guys. Um, you kind of have, I don't want to say similar players, but you have kind of a streak of guys, McElroy, Thomas, Morikawa, Hovland, great ball strikers, not people that I would think like best around the green or especially with the putting game. If any one of those guys just gets hot with the putter, continues kind of striking the ball like they've been like they'll contend right nobody really is questioning their game too much everyone knows they have the game to compete it's just we've seen you know like Rory missing back-to-back cuts and then goes and wins the Wells Fargo JT the same thing Uh, he's missed a few cuts this year I think Morikawa might be someone that I consider over those guys just the consistency the ball striking he has been putting it better lately um and then you have Xander Schauffele I hope maybe the missed cut at the PGA kind of has some people fading away from him because he if you just look at total all-around game all of the major strokes game categories like he might be the most complete player He's not the best, but he doesn't really have any weaknesses in his game, which I think is why one of the reasons he's so consistent in major tournaments and plays so well in all of them. Um, But it's also the reason why he's always owned and has so much much ownership percentage every tournament, really, he's in. Hovland can't lay read. I'm unsure on these guys. I think... If I'm picking anyone, I'm probably going to pick Reed at the bottom. And I am a big Hovland guy. But it's it's kind of hard to ignore the win at the Farmers. I think his, you know, just around the green play will save him so many strokes this week. 
he just with how thick the rough is if you miss these greens there's not easy up and downs especially because all the greens most of them have you know multiple tiers to them so kind of having just the creativity similar to a Jordan Spieth when you think about Jordan Spieth around the greens like really creative guys can kind of hit a lot of different shots you when you see them holing out all the time you're not surprised you don't know how they do it but you kind of just typical kind of Jordan speaking away your your way around the course but you know Reed's just one of those guys always always around there always kind of sniffing on Sunday you know I think at 9,000 him being the cheapest in this range kind of makes me want to play him a little bit more because I I think some of these guys like the McElroy's Thomas Morikawa have a little bit more of a, the win equity, have a greater chance to win. But I think, you know, Reed is up there. His chance to make a top 10 probably is more likely those guys are going to be a little more volatile, maybe not more Akawa. Um, but I don't know. Reed kind of just sticks out to me. And probably a lot of it is just the win on this course earlier this year. And that's kind of what you remember. But, you know, it's not a bad place to start your lineup if you want to avoid some of those big names. Uh, kind of work in the nine and eight thousand dollar range a bit more. And speaking of which, let's go to the eight thousand dollar range. On well, we what about some... what about Patrick Cantlay? Didn't he just win one? Yeah, there's an asterisk there, but he did one at the memorial. Um, Whoa. <laughs> there's, the, an, there's an asterisk there. What do you use steroids? I'm just no, kidding. No, with, the, I, with the John Rom withdrawal. Um, yeah, he did play excellent. It's kind of, I think it's a little bit of the McElroy effect. You know, we saw Rory win right before at the Wells Fargo before he went to Kiowa, a place where he had won before. Right. And now we're seeing Cantlay two weeks before a major win at a course that he's won multiple times um, going into the next major. I don't know. His game hasn't been consistent enough. He does have, if he plays the way he did at the Memorial, he'll have a chance. Um, I I just have a lot of questions kind of about his game because he's been all over the place this year. Fair enough. I was just curious. He won, yeah. so. Yeah, I would, yeah. He he's he's won this year. Take nothing away from him for that. Just that asterisk because John Rahm withdrew. But you know, <laughs> I know you won. I know you couldn't see me when I said he won, but when I said he won, I actually did air quotes for you. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> All right. So to the eight K range. Uh, we have quite a few guys, quite a few big names that have been a lot of top tens have come from these guys in the majors this year. We start with Tony Finau at eight nine, and we go through to Hideki, Webb, Will Zalatoris, Scotty Scheffler, Daniel Berger, Terrell Hatton, Corey Connors, Louis Oosthuizen, Justin Rose, and Cam Smith. Now, I'm just going to kind of point this out here, Sean. So far yeah. this year, right, starting from the top, Tony Fino, top 10 in both majors. Hideki, win at the Masters. Webb, 
no top tens, but he has a twelfth at the Masters. Will Zalatoris top ten in both majors. Scheffler top ten in the PGA. Uh, Corey Connors top ten in the Masters. Louis Oosthuizen second at the PGA. Justin Rose this surprised me top ten in both of the majors and Cam Smith at the top ten in the Masters. All of these guys almost seem like great plays this week just off their major kind of history. It's really Berger and Hatton are the only ones without great results in a major this year. Well, then I guess you just told everybody who to stay away from. No, I'm just maybe, but maybe, <laughs> maybe those are the plays. Maybe those are the guys that might have a little bit less ownership. Maybe you, you play the game of, of kind of just the, the ownership percentage. I just wanted just to say this too, just so it's not forgotten, that you said when, which is not a lie, Will Zalatoris had two top tens in the majors. You say two top tens like your first appearance at a Masters is a second, like it's nothing. So, <laughs> just want to yeah, give him a little credit. I don't want. I mean, what Will Zalatoris did at the at the Masters was incredible, and he struck the ball better than just about everyone. Off the tee, his approach game was unbelievable. Right, we we saw something similar at the PGA. His approach game wasn't as good at the PGA, but he was still kind of around there at the end. Finished T eight. Um, are you are you looking at Zalatoris this week, John? So are you trying to get at? Well, I mean, sometimes you always throw things at me, so I just want to know, you know, my golf knowledge of sorts. Throw it back at you of sort of things just to see how you spell it. But well, I mean, Zalatoris is obviously somebody that's interesting. I mean, like you said, everybody on this list can be interesting. Finau, um, like I'm not going to go through the list again, but everyone can be there. Um, and I think you know, you don't really know too much about Zalatoris. Obviously, he's new onto the tour, but what we have seen of him is very from a, from somebody who wants to maybe take a chance or or see what happens i mean you're saving yourself 300 if compared to tony fino uh, but you're also spending like you said uh, 600 more on cam smith who i think is a, a very good like value play in there um i think he's been playing some pretty good golf in, in cam smith this year uh, with just uh, obviously with the mullet song i think that helped pump them up i don't i don't think that that that's going to be a thing that's played at the us open this year um but I think you know maybe the the South Coast vibes of of of, of Torrey Pines and bring him back to the homeland of, of Australia and feel good about things. And um, I'm rambling on on why I would pick him, but I think he would be a good option in the range of of the players. I think you know Justin Rose is like you said two top tens, but you know, I wonder if he's going to come out on Thursday and Friday and have a three stroke lead and then. Justin Rose the weekend. Um, I don't know. So Cruz. I mean, if you're paying eight thousand though, Justin Rose goes out has an excellent you know Thursday or Friday, and then just cruises to a top ten. I don't think you're going to be that upset. He Justin Rose is also a previous winner here at the Farmers uh, at Tory. Something to consider as well. Back in 2019. Um, Another thing with Cam Smith, since 2015, there's been what, three Aussies have won here. So maybe there is a little bit of the 
the coastal vibes with Australia going on. I mean, I like both of those places. So. And there's a lot of surfers out there, so that might be why they're you know hanging ten, ten under. Maybe watch. You heard it here I, first. An Australian wins a ten under because everyone's hanging ten. Yep, watch it. You, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta see if you can get like a, a parlay somewhere on that. Yeah. Aussie to win a ten under. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Uh, actually, so I'm I have farmers insurance kind of results in front of me. Jason Day in 2018 won at ten under. Well, so now it's we not as cool. <laughs> we have an awesome <laughs> ten under. Um, we have, I would love to go back and see if anybody took advantage of that opportunity when they were talking to him, and they were like, said, just said something about, "How was your ten under?" Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm against you know, I know, but that would, I, I hope no one takes offense to me saying that because I think it's just funny about what it is, but go for it. <laughs> I think back to some of these guys. <laughs> for me, the main people I'm going to own in this range, though, Tony Fino, right? I own him all the time, too much, to be honest. But Tony Fino, Hideki, who has been playing great this year and it's not just the masters when he's had some great finishes this year i'm probably going to stay away from webb and zalatoris i think they're going to be an area people are going to target uh, i'm going to fade those guys and then scotty scheffler another guy he's at eight five uh, he's been playing great lately like i said top 10 at the pga and then I I don't know about Louis, right? Louis at eight one. I feel like every time, uh, I don't know. Every time that there's a major tournament, Louis just kind of there, sniffing around on the weekend, kind of poking his nose in there, trying to trying to make a run. And I don't know. It might be the the fear of missing out on Louis that I'll probably play him. It worked out for me at the PGA. I had a few. Uh, few rosters with Louie in it. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe I, I follow up those good vibes, play him again. Um, moving on, though, we'll go down to the – so this 7K range, we're going to break into 7.9 to 7.5. A lot of – I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to say kind of like your second-tier elite guys, but a lot of good value can be had here. Uh, I won't go through list all of them. Uh, but we started at 7-9 with Anson and Casey and end at 7-5 with Woodland, Neiman, and Garcia. I'll let you kind of fill in the rest, Sean, with any other guys you want to talk about. All right, cool. Um, I can move on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so I, I think, <laughs> I think uh, with you, like you said, Paul Casey and Anser, they both start off at the, off the um, – tier here at seven nine i think both of those guys are well worth the money that you're going to see and i think a lot of these guys like as it's being a major you're, you're going to see the value of these guys you're going to say wow like normally these guys might be a lot higher but um i think you're going to you're going to see the value in these plays later on but those two are great i think answer is a very interesting one i think he's kind of like a victor hovland in a sense where you know they they both have seen streaks of of, of pretty good results in tournaments and and finishing in the top top five, top tens of leaderboards. So I think answer is one that could come alive if he really wants to. 
Um, just just looking at those two top guys. Then you come along with Matthew Fitzpatrick and Tommy Fleetwood. I'm a big Tommy Fleetwood fan, but I don't know if I would necessarily take any of these two guys to play this course. Um, it, it might be some of the courses that they kind of grew up on. I, I'm, I've never been over to where they where they have been, but it is you know a very high kind of windy course, so long roughs might be familiar to to some of the international guys. So that could play part to that. Um, I think Sam Burns is a is a very interesting play. He's had a I, well, at least one win this year. Um, yeah, he had a win, and then uh, or he had a runner up, and then I think a win the following week, and then he got injured, and then withdrew from the PGA. So he's had an interesting kind of stretch here. Yeah, he uh, not to do this, but just to be correct and factual, he won and then followed it up with a runner. Okay, all right, I have um, it backwards. Yeah, no, but you were good to know that. Um, so. But I, I think I think he's an interesting one. I didn't know that about an injury of why he pulled out. And when I pulled up the log and I saw the 155 of the championship, I thought otherwise too. But knowing how he has had that streak of when he played, again, kind of like a, I wouldn't say Victor Hovland-ish because those were just a few weeks and those you saw those guys go a couple weeks back to back to back. So, um, But he's still an interesting play. And I, and I obviously think... You know, cabs coming in here, um, Uncle Lefty. I think he's going to be, he's going to be somebody that really loves it. And I think, I do think he's got a, a residency in San Diego and and loves the weather here. So I think he's going to feel right at home. Obviously, you can never count that guy out. And if you do, you're kind of dumb, as we saw the last major that was played. And if he does win it, I just can't wait for the two trophies to be hanging out in the golf cart and have him remind us on Instagram and all social medias. Which, by the way. <laughs> You should follow us at We Know Fantasy uh, at WK um, on Instagram. Plug. So, uh, but along with that, you'll see him uh, sit on the golf cart and uh, show off both of the hardware. So, I think those are kind of the top guys that obviously stand out to me um, in this little ranking. I don't really know much about the guys that kind of fell in between, um, but Gary Woodland and Sergio Garcia to me are are two guys that I would think about putting into it. You know, Gary Woodland is somebody who can kind of have, has that control to his ball and, and can play different difficult shots if he needs to. He's got the, um, you know, the, the good stingers and all that. So he, he could be somebody that's interesting. And Sergio Garcia, I feel like, comes alive in big moments. He's kind of, you know, in a rivalry kind of sense with, with Tiger when you feel about some of the, the tournaments that they had and, and the types of, of play. And I think he can kind of, he has that mentality and the, the expertise to kind of pull himself through if he has a difficult tournament or a couple of difficult shots to make it. So I think those are those are some of the guys that I'm highlighting in here. I probably went over some of the guys that you are too. Um, but I think this these guys are, again, it's a major, you're still going to find a lot of value in, in, the, in, these, in these picks. So um, but it will be interesting to see what Phil does this week, if, it, if anything. Yeah, I mean, it would be the career grand slam for him if he wins this week. So, kind of just a great story. So, I'm more rooting for him just to get the career grand slam than, you know, being the 50-year-old winning back-to-back majors, uh, going against all these young guys. You know, I'm rooting for Phil. I probably won't be as much you know, monetarily investing in him, won't be betting on him too much. Um, 
but more kind of for the emotional um, support that he doesn't need from me, but I'm going to give it to him. Um, <laughs> one guy here, though, Paul Casey, right? He was 7'7 seven, seven at the Masters, 7'7 seven, seven at the PGA, and both times we were like, he's being disrespected, needs to be priced higher. So they were like, you know what? We'll give him 7'9 this week. So he's getting a little bump up. But Paul Casey, once again, I'm, I think should be in the 8K range. I think he's a little bit of a bargain here. Um, you know, if you look at just his results this year, he's been outstanding. He's got what, one, two, three, four, five top tens in the last, is that eight weeks or eight tournaments that he's played in on the PGA. Um, when he was playing over in Germany, the last week i can't remember but um what was it yeah european open finish six uh great finish there decent field he's been playing just great golf um i am going to own paul casey he had the fourth at the pga like i just i think his game is more complete than a lot of guys in this area abe answer just a great ball striker. He's somebody who in major tournaments, I think is always a good play because the floor is much higher than a lot of people because he's always in the fairway. He's always hitting the greens. The one thing that I worry about is how tricky some of these greens are. Um, with Abe, he's going to be hitting some of his longer irons into him. He's not going to have that advantage as some of the bombers are hitting some of the shorter irons. So where he lands it on the green you know, what are his putting options, maybe a bit of a worry, but just the ball striking, you know, just the accuracy will keep him around at least. I think I might be a little bit off on Fitzpatrick. He's someone I've played a lot. I don't know. Kind of a gut thing, not feeling the vibes. Tommy Fleetwood worries me. I I know you like Fleetwood. It's just at what point does it kind of become – you know, all right, this guy just isn't going to get it done on the PGA Tour. And that's kind of where I'm at with Tommy, that I think I'm just going to be off of him for a while now. You know, he has a good game, but it's, he just doesn't put together a complete week, it just seems like, where he can really compete and get a win. And looking further down, one guy I am very big on, Shane Lowry. He's at 7-6. I will definitely be putting him into lineups. He's been playing great. Uh, played well at the PGA. He's He won, what was it, the, the Open in 2019, was it now? Um, he has kind of the, the pedigree where he can win a major tournament. Whenever the courses seem to get more difficult, they get longer, they get windy, I feel like Shane Lowry is just one of those guys who just thrives in those moments, similar to Gary Woodland. He's another guy I'm going to own a lot. You know, we have Joaquin Neiman at 7-5. And surprisingly, I'm not huge on Neiman this week, which means he's probably going to win. What? Um, as, as the week goes on, I might reconsider it a little bit. I might play him a bit more. Um, but I don't know. He just... He has, I think he has a potential to be a major winner. I just, his game really as of late hasn't been, you know, that outstanding golf. We need to win a major. 
so we'll see maybe my opinion will change as we move on but yeah really for me it's going to be kind of the Casey Lowry woodlands in this area that I'm looking at moving on we have a pretty kind of condensed range here I guess there's a lot of guys sitting 7.4 to 7,000 um a lot of guys that I could be swayed either way on um but we'll go to you Sean we have kind of four guys sitting at the top at 7.4 who I find interesting and Adam Scott Brian Harmon Mark Leishman Bubba Watson you know, just looking at this whole range, anyone really sticking out to you? Well, um, he's not somebody that's in the top range that you just mentioned of those four, although those four are great, and I'll get to them in a second. But Lee Westwood um, stands out to me here at 7'3". I mean, like you said earlier in the podcast, Tiki was the guy who came in at even on the card in 2008 U.S. Open, who took third. Um, so seeing that the same event was played here, although it is a few years later um, and a different time frame, the, um, the, his play can still, st- it stands out to me as somebody here in this range that you may want to, if you're thinking of somebody, you know, he, he could be a good play. Um, but I, I think, you know, Mark Leishman, another one, maybe he's another Australian who's 10 under. Um, <laughs> but, um, like, I think out of those four, I think, you know, Bubba Watson, Mark Leishman, and, and Adam Scott are, would be the three that I would consider putting in there if I was looking at someone at that price range. I don't know much about Brian Harmon, so that's why I personally would stay away from him. I know he's had a few good uh, three top tens this year, so he's been doing pretty decent for himself. Um, but, I mean, those those three guys definitely have the expertise to, to win, obviously, two of them being Masters champions. Um, so they, they know how to, to, to maneuver courses above a shot and at the Masters coming out of the woods there on 10. Like, if he finds himself in difficulty, which I'm sure he will, knowing the way that he bombs the tee, but still finds his way left or right somehow. Um, but I think those those guys stand out at the top of the list. Um, Billy Horschel, somebody that kind of just comes out just to just as a thought from some of the, the way that he's been playing earlier, but he's more of a like a match play in your face kind of guy. So maybe if it comes down on Sunday to uh, to a thing, he might he might be able to, you know, edge out the guy he's playing with. Um, but I would say after that, I mean, Charlie Hoffman, Matt Kuchar, those two guys, they've they're I'm I've been big on in the past. Charlie's won me some money in the one and done on our other podcast that you should check out, which will come out a few days later than this one. Uh, but he's won me a few uh, few bucks in that one, so I, there's there's some homer picks for me, if you will, that I I kind of like in here. However, I I think you know for me with all these guys and all the people that we've mentioned earlier, I'm I, I'm probably sticking to the people that I said in this range. I don't. There are probably other guys in here that would be worthwhile of of putting a a pin at. Poulter comes in at seven thousand. He's been good before. Matt Jones has a few top tens, um, but I think. You know, I'm going to stick to those guys if if I'm looking in this range. Yeah, I. So one thing with Bubba, right? He has won here before in the Farmers back in 2011. But when when you think about like that crazy shot of the Masters going through the tree on the pine straw, a lot of times 
in like the U.S. Opens and how this course is going to be set up, I don't think there's an opportunity to have those creative shots because that rough is so thick that it's more you're just trying to get the ball out. You can't do a whole heck of a lot with it. You don't know how it's going to come out. I I don't know if that helps Bubba or hurts Bubba, um, you know, because he is very long off the tee, but he kind of can be all over the place. There isn't a, a lot of tree-lined fairways, and I don't know. It might be something in my head. I don't know if I've talked about it in here or not, but I feel like Bubba Watson plays best at tournaments where there's a lot of tree-lined fairways where he has lines that he can see and he can kind of see more of how he needs to shape his shot than just, you know, an open layout. I, I don't know, like, the stats on that. I don't know how real that is, if it's just something I kind of made up in my head. But it's something that I think about. And, you know, Leishman and Scott both kind of are, I don't know, they've played well here lately. And, you know, Leishman won in 2020. Adam Scott, I believe had a runner-up finish in what 2019 um you know billy horse like you said he's kind of just a dog kind of battles all the time max homer someone i find interesting last time we were out in california right he won at the genesis the genesis is a very tough course very strong field however he's coming off missed cuts in previous majors this year And I I am mentioning the major finishes because something that I kind of correlate a little bit is how you've done in previous majors kind of reflects, you know, your future performances because majors are so much different than all the other tournaments that we have um, on tour. So I I might consider Max Homa this week kind of just for the sake of, you know, he's from California, probably knows the course, knows the area well. Um, when we get down, there's Christian Bezadenhout at 7-2, who is another guy who I think kind of, I don't want to say is in the Jordan Spieth mold, but great creative player around the greens. His around the green game is really kind of what saves him a lot of strokes. Um, Charlie Hoffman at 7-2. Sean and I have both really been on this guy a lot, and I know Nate is in, has played him quite a bit in lineups. I will consider Charlie Hoffman. Not sure how much I will play him, how much I'm going to own him, but he's definitely in the consideration of some guys I'm looking at. We go down to Ryan Palmer at 7-1. Right? He has two runner-up finishes here in the Farmers. And, you know, he pretty much is just like a fader of the ball. If you have courses that kind of tend to favor guys who fade the ball, right? He's always kind of in play there, but he also is a good off the tee guy, right? Much longer, I think, than people expect from him. Good with his approaches. He's someone who can play a lot of courses, even though they don't favor uh, the fade ball, but it at least kind of takes that left miss completely out of play for him. So he has that consistent shot he can go to. So that's something to consider with Palmer. Um, looking down, though, I don't think anyone at the 7,000 range is anyone I'm really going to be considering too much. Maybe Robert McIntyre, you know, the big 
bomber from Scotland. I made the cut in both of the majors earlier this year. And we saw, what is that, the WGC match play when he drove 18, the only guy to drive the green in that tournament. So he's great off the tee, can bomb the ball. Something to consider if you want to try to play some of the guys who are just the long hitters. Because you have Robert McIntyre at seven, Cam Champ at seven as well. Who Cam Champ can be a little erratic off the tee, but not too many people are going to be out driving him. So if you're looking for that long bomb guy, you know, you have Bobby Mack and Cam Champ here at 7,000. Next, we'll kind of just hit on some guys maybe in the $6,000 range that might be good plays. Some things that we're probably going to look at maybe invest a little bit more time into looking into him before we stick him into a lineup right away. Um, but there's quite a big list here. We have some of the guys like Kevin Kisner, Martin Clymer at 6'9". Right, some kind of pretty name-brand guys, I guess, a little bit older, but have gotten it done on tour. You go down Johnny Vegas at 6'8". He's someone that I'm probably going to consider just based off his play this week at Palmetto. He's playing great. He's been playing some good golf lately. And, you know, sitting here on Friday, Vegas is in the top 10. That 6-8, I think it's not a bad play. We have Henrik Stenson at 6-7, who I am a known kind (laughs) of don't play Stenson guy. However, Stenson has made the cut in both majors this year. T38 at the Masters, T64 at the PGA. He's at 6-7. I I don't know. He's hosting his own tournament this week uh, in Sweden. I don't know how how much that's going to kind of put a fatigue on him, drain him, having to host a tournament and then fly all the way out to California from Sweden. But I hate to say it, I'm considering playing Stenson. I don't feel good about it, but at 6'7", I'm currently thinking about it. I'll leave it at that. And then there's Martin Laird, who's another guy. He's made both cuts so far in majors this year at 6'6". He's someone that I definitely am thinking about playing, you know, a T23, T38. You get that out of your guys in the 6k range and I think most people are going to be pretty happy obviously we'd love for them to be competing but you make the cut in your 6k range with some of your flyers and you're going to be you're going to be okay there's a a lot of kind of you know unknowns throughout here um I probably I'll probably do some more looking into guys this week consider them Brendan Steele's another guy, maybe at 6'5". But just looking, I don't know if I really like too much below the 6'5 range. Uh, Thomas Dietrich at 6'6". Potentially consider him. But really, in in this area, I'm probably going to be just looking guys and looking at their recent form, looking at kind of their form in majors. Rafa Cabrera-Bello is another guy maybe consider um, but you need to have something when you're down here that can kind of set you apart, I think, to me. Either you're great off the tee, which we have Wilco Nina Bear at 6'9". I guess I should mention him. 
absolute bombs the ball. So if you're just playing guys who bomb the ball, they're someone you should consider. Or, you know, you're just looking for your around-the-green guys or your accuracy guys like Zach Johnson, who's sitting at 6'9". I'm probably not going to focus too much on some of the short game guys throughout this range. Um, so I'm just hoping that, you know, the approach game gets hot with these guys and we're finding all the greens. We lost Sean for a minute. You back with us, Sean? I am here. Yes, I am. All right. Do you have anything you want to add any guys in here in the 6K range? No, no, I'm just glad I, I did hear you. I, I got back and I heard you say something about Henrik Stenton, so I'm glad you included uh, included uh, him into the mix of things, although I did not think that you would. Uh, I just think that's the, the funny side of it. I, I think there's a lot of guys down here that are going to be known players, but still ones that are kind of like in this field, just kind of taking chances at. So there's not too many that I would, really highlight or say um but i think it's you know the with the field you might have to fill in a few of these guys depending on how you do it um but you know that 8k range or like lower tier 9k range you could build a couple guys in there and then start to work around different things so yeah definitely yeah i think I mean, some of these guys are going to be complete flyers. You might be just playing an ownership game, looking at some guys like Guido Migliozzi, who you think aren't going to be owned too much, or maybe a KH Lee. Um, but, you know, it's kind of fun when you hit one of these 6K guys and your 6K guy pops off. It gives you that top 10. It's always a great feeling. Do you have any closing thoughts here, Sean, before we get out of here? Uh, just that, you know, obviously it's a major and I'm, I get hyped for golf and it's in my backyard. So this this one's going to be interesting to watch. I think, you know, with with some of the winds that come off the ocean and it being in the elevation of the course, I think it's going to be oh, it's interesting to see how it plays because there are out and back holes. So you're going to have the wind coming from your right to left, and then the next hole it's going to be left to right. So having the ability to hit some of those interesting shots might be fun, um, and just to see how the rough and greens play. You know, the, I, I assume they're going to be very long, and I assume the greens are going to be very fast. So it normally has to bring out the best of anybody who wants to win it, and it's uh, it's a good tournament to tune into if you want to watch one. So I'm excited about it for sure. Right. And then I have to ask, who finishes better, Bryson or Brooks? Brooksy! Brooksy! I like that pick. <laughs> I'll probably go Brooks as well. Well, all right, guys. Remember, follow us on all our social media. We know fantasy uh, website and our socials are out of the rough WK. I'm Lenny. That's Sean. Hopefully we see a lot of green on our betting cards this week at Palmetto. Not looking good for me. Hopefully better for you, Sean. I'm not sure how you're looking. Um, but maybe I'll we can turn it all around. Yeah, maybe yeah. we can turn it all around at the U.S. Open. Have some good That's cards. Hope. Yeah. All right. Take care.